Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to the Politics Guys with your hosts, Dave Carson and Michael Darnowski. Welcome to the Politics Guys. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at Northern Kentucky University. My co-host this week, as always, is Cleveland area attorney and sometime Republican strategist Jay Carson. Longtime Politics Guys listeners might recall that a while back, I promised that we'd keep the show going throughout the election and the inauguration of the next president. I wanted to give you an update on where we are now. We will still keep the show going until the presidential inauguration, and we're hoping to keep on doing it well after that, too, ideally throughout the entire Trump administration. But for that to happen, we need your help. Putting together the weekly news discussion and Politics Guys interviews has really become a part-time job, and the generous financial support we've received from some of you has allowed us to pay the bills, and we are incredibly grateful for that. But for us to keep things going much past this spring, we're going to have to find sustainable long-term funding. Now, if you're interested in helping us out with this, here's what you can do. First, if you're able to support the show financially, that's a huge help, especially if you can be a sustaining monthly supporter through Patreon or the monthly payment option in PayPal. And the links for those are on our website, politicsguys.com. Second, you can recommend the show to people, whether it's on social media, email, or through a review on our pod, whatever podcast app you happen to use. Um, this is really critical because with more listeners, we have a larger base of people to help us out. And if we keep on growing, at a certain point, we'll get big enough so that a few innocuous 30-second ads might be all we need to stay in business long term. Now, we're currently looking into a number of other financing options, and we'll keep on doing everything we can to make sure the politics guys stays on the air. Thanks for your support. And now, on to this week's show. We start this week with more on the election. While the voting ended more than a month ago, the controversy is still with us, thanks to the recount effort led by Green Party candidate Jill Stein, as well as evidence of Russian influence on the election. Now, this week, the recounts seem to have more or less fizzled out, just like we thought they would. You know, we might not have called the election right, but we did at least get this. Uh, so that's something, Jay. Um, How about that? Yeah, there you go. Um, but, you know, the, the Russian role in the election remains an open issue and has become an even bigger issue with the CIA this week telling members of Congress that Russia intervened in the election to help Donald Trump win. And, of course, congressional Republicans cast doubt on the veracity of these claims. And the president-elect himself told Time magazine that, I don't believe they interfered in the election. And he said the hacking could be Russia, could be China, could be some guy in his home in New Jersey. Um, Okay. (laughs) Now, of course, you've got to wonder how he'd know this, Donald Trump, since reports are that he's blown off just about all of his intelligence briefings. Uh, Now, the Trump transition team issued a statement saying, these are the same people that said Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction. The election ended a long time ago in one of the biggest electoral college victories in history. It's now time to move on and make America great again. Now, I should mention that the Trump team has an interesting notion of what constitutes one of the biggest electoral college victories in history. Huge. Well, it's a huge (laughs) in the sense of the 21st largest, which I don't know too many people saying we're number 21. Not exactly a line slide. Top 50%. Yeah, uh, something like that. Anyway, so what what do do you make of all this, Jay? Well, I think the the 
first question to ask, and and uh, you know, well, maybe not the first question to ask, but this is the question I'm going to ask first. Okay. Um, to what extent? I mean, let's let's assume, for the sake of argument, that the Russians did, uh, in the words of the what were people were saying, interfere. In, in what way did they interfere? Um, I guess that's that's the first question. I think there's there's you know, look, I mean, we're not talking, again, of evidence of actual hacking in the voting machines. <clears throat> we're talking about the Russians released information that they either hacked themselves from the DNC or got from some other hackers uh, uh, from the DNC. And it, it's information that, that no one has disputed is true. So while you, we can say uh, we need to beef up our security systems, um, to prevent this kind of information from getting out. Uh, it, it's not, uh, you know, the idea of, of it's a direct Russian intervention in, in, into our election, I think, is something different. Um, well, there's but, that. But there's I mean, the, what are your thoughts? I mean, well, there's you know. that and there's the fake news thing as well, which is a, <clears throat> which is a threat that's a lot harder to deal with. And so, I mean, you're right that well, there's although, no... Although, I mean, I, I, we should mention, though, the Washington Post has walked back some of its the fake news, the Russian fake news piece mm -hmm. from last week mm -hmm. um, in the just weirdest of ironies that some of the reporting about Russian fake news may have been, in fact, fake news. Exactly. Sure. Um, so, you know, look, I, I don't I don't doubt that that uh, this Russia put out stories and, and uh, information and propaganda as, as it always has. Sure. Um uh, did it take advantage of these uh, vulnerabilities in our systems? Sure. Uh, did that lead to the election of Trump? And is that interference in our election? I, I'm not so sure there. I mean, I think this is just stuff that countries do. I mean, take a look at what we had done. Um, you know, the, the Clinton administration really pretty much campaigned against uh, Netanyahu. I mean, with, you know, literally sending over his campaign team. Uh, to work against them. Um, so, so you don't see a difference between campaign publicly campaigning against somebody and hacking into illegally hacking into email accounts and planning uh, a whole bunch of fake stories. You, you think those things are equivalent? No. Okay. No. Okay. Uh, but but I'm saying they're both things that happen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They're both they are. That, yes. Uh, well, no. They're they're both things that 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 countries do, and, and I I don't think. To say that, I guess what I'm what I'm looking for is is the link that, um, and I guess there's maybe more of this if if you want to talk about the fake news part of it, but uh, that the Russians influenced the election, as opposed to this is information that, well, one that that just Trump would have won anyway based on uh, other public information was already out there, or that look this information, um, it. It was true. I mean, it, with the exception of the fake stuff, obviously. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. But, but, but I mean, if what we're talking about are the DNC emails. Um, we're talking about the whole deal. I mean, to me, it's, yeah. it, this is pretty straightforward. I understand what you're saying. Is do we would Trump Trump have won other, otherwise? We don't know. We don't know what the extent of the influence is. How you know how 
much did the Russians succeed in having an effect on the election? We don't know. But for me, the bottom line is that a foreign power did illegal things and unethical things to try to influence one of our elections. And I don't care if they tried to influence it to elect Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or Gary Johnson or whoever. That, to me, is a major concern when a foreign power is taking that sort of th- those sort of steps. And so I think that President Obama is absolutely right to call for a, to, to, to launch a more of an investigation in this. And I think that congressional Republicans are, are treating this far too, you know, far too lightly. Mitch McConnell seems to think it's no big deal. Of course, his wife is now working for Donald Trump or will be uh, come January 20th. So I don't know. But but it, it seems to me that this is something that we should take seriously. And this doesn't have to be a partisan issue. I think the responsible thing for Republicans and Democrats to say is, listen, it doesn't matter who they wanted to win. And we're not trying to cast dispersions on either of these candidates. We're just trying to say that we will not tolerate any sort of foreign interference in our elections, whoever the candidate there they happen to be for. I, I would I would put I would put a little bit of a a, a a spin on that. Maybe spin isn't the right word. It's not. Um, but I think the the issue is no, we will not tolerate um, foreign hacking into our our computer systems. Um, to me, that seems to be a problem if there's a security breach. Although, I mean, look, this is this is a private security breach. I mean, it. it I mean, if, if it could have, if hypothetically, well, let, let me let, let's back this up. Um, say there, I mean, there was an employee, allegedly, uh, of of the Trump organization who leaked Trump's tax returns. Um, now that's illegal. You can't leak somebody's tax returns. Uh, but they did, and they took it to the press, and the the press ran with it, and Hillary Clinton ran with it. Um, what's the difference between? Uh, and I I can see one difference already, but what's the difference between a a whistleblower or someone saying, "Here, I'm leaking information to the press," which is what happens all the time, which is what happened ironically with this secret CIA report, is someone. <laughs> leaked the secret report uh, to the press um, how how is how is that less of a problem uh, than say listen somebody else you know does does the source matter I guess I, I I don't know I mean I think people could perhaps differ on that but I think that the source does matter and I think when when uh, a foreign government that in many ways has a long certain history of hostility to the United States and has very different national interests and also has vast resources decides to engage in this sort of a, a illegal misinformation or disinformation campaign, I think that's a whole lot different than just some guy or some person working for the campaign leaking documents. Yeah. All right. Um, let's, let's say um – I mean, clearly, were the the Russians influencing uh, groups like the SDS back in back in the '60s, uh, the Weathermen back in the '60s? Were there, you know, certainly there was there was some sort of support, whether it was it was direct or whether it was just sort of uh, moral support uh, that that these types of groups were getting at, who were influencing American elections or trying to influence American elections uh, from. From the at that point, the Soviet Union, um, and when Republicans complained about it back back through all those years, uh, it was you know they were they were 
you know, sort of fantasists and, uh, um, you know, conspiracy, conspiracy theorists and, and so forth. Uh, I'm so, not, I I'm, mean, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting a little bit of a kick out of the whole thing of now it's again, that's the 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 left's uh, red scare sort of thing. So so so, so you're saying that uh, because it was done in the past and people didn't take it seriously, then people shouldn't take it seriously now. I mean, that, that, no, that, that no, doesn't no, no, make no, sense no, to no, me. Quite, no, 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 quite, quite the contrary. It was done in the past, and Republicans took it seriously, and, and the, the left would not. Uh, Republicans have always taken this sort of thing seriously. And so they should take it seriously um, now. Right. And, and I, I, to be consistent. Again, I, which, is, which is, if you consider, I mean, is there any evidence that any uh, Republican um, computers were hacked? There, there, was, there was some. There was some, but uh, the vast majority of it was Democrats, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, so I think that's – to me, that says that, look, they tend to take security more seriously or perhaps just weren't as, as big a target, although I don't know why they wouldn't have been a target. Uh, well, clearly, sure you if do. clearly, if you're the Russians you're, you're, and you have the capability to hack someone, you, you will. You won't, you won't say we're not going to. Well, it's not just to, the hacking. It's the releasing. So we don't know. I mean, they could have well, hacked think, stuff honestly, that we don't know about. I, to me, the hacking is the crime. The releasing is, I mean, that's journalism. Oh, okay. Right? Okay, sure. All I mean, right. look, no, I, I'm I'm serious. It's, oh, okay. It's, uh, that's that's the problem, right? I mean, if if um, you know why, and keep in mind, we did this for years and years to the Soviets, and and rightfully so. Uh, we broadcast information, you know, through you know Radio Free Europe, and that's entirely uh, all different. These other, all, the, all these other sort of sort of things to try to undermine. Um, the Soviet uh, government and other Eastern Bloc governments, uh, and and we've done it to a lesser extent um, in in places like Cuba, uh, where where again we we try to broadcast information that the press of that comp- country will will not allow to to come to the surface. Okay, so um, Russians are doing not, this, I'm, and it's I'm, no big deal. Business as usual. We should just move on. I mean. Who cares, really? I mean, I don't know which. It seems I mean, like you're trying I'm, really hard to minimize this, and I wonder. I want to know why. I'm because I'm saying this is the world we live in. This is the world we've always lived in. It is not. Right? No, and, it's and, not. No, it's not and, at all. And it's, it, it's a it's a matter of, um, you know, look, we the to me, all right. What what this comes down to is the Democratic Party should take more precautions should have been uh, uh, more security safeguards in uh, in how they handled their their email communications and how they secured their servers <laughs> and, and all that and, and they didn't so you really think that this boils they, down no. to that the Democrats have worse computer security than the Republicans oh yes, all right then yes, I, all yes, right I, well that's I'd love, I'd love to live in your talk, world you've talked a, a number of times about um, you know, you try to email me stuff and, and so forth. And, and I have like my law firm is, is like crazy secure lockdown and we do all this cybersecurity type type work. Um, and and it, it's it's one of these things that that, yeah, there are ways to protect yourself. And uh, this was a non-governmental organization, essentially, that that uh, didn't take those steps, realizing that they would be a very ripe target. Uh, for this kind of of hacking and espionage, and and they didn't do it. Um, now again, by your by your rationale, if someone in the DNC, uh, let's let's say a disgruntled Bernie supporter, um, went to the press and said, "I have all these emails that show the DNC is is in the tank for Hillary, 
and they're working to kind of try to try to suppress Bernie. Um, again, that person would be uh, maybe not a hero, but certainly uh, someone viewed with with some uh, admiration or not someone of, of this is a danger we need to defend against on a nationwide type situation. The would say we need to check our hiring practices. Let's go back to the actual issue at hand here. And I'm just wondering, how is it that you know that the uh, the Democrats' uh, computer security is not as good as the Republicans? Just wondering what your information is. Because the Russians got their stuff. Oh, I see. Okay. Because it couldn't be that the Russians specifically targeted the Democrats and not the Republicans. That that wouldn't be that wouldn't be uh, possible. All right. Oh, well, you know, I, 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 I think it's, it's, sure. it's possible, but sure. if they if they had the capability, why wouldn't they do it? Maybe because they wanted one candidate to win more than another. OK, you know, we need to move off of this. But uh, but, uh, you know, we pretty clearly fundamentally disagree on this one. Uh, I, actually, I don't think we do. I mean, I, I don't I don't want Russians uh, interfering in our elections. Uh, I never have and I never will. Um, sure. We agree on that. But but. Uh, I guess the the idea that that uh, countries do this, it's we shouldn't be shocked by it. Um, and also, I guess the the question is, what are they doing now? Again, had they been interfering in the actual tampering with votes or something, that would be uh, a tremendous uh, problem and going to the integrity of the, assist, of the system. But what they did is they were able uh, by being sneaky uh, to get uh, some information that was at least marginally embarrassing to, to Hillary Clinton and they released it. Um, uh, so I mean, look, get, get, uh, get, get better, uh, uh, protection DNC. Okay. And, yeah. And they, look, and you know, the Republicans should too, but at this point there's yeah. no evidence that the Republicans have really, uh, suffered any sort of major hacks. Um, maybe so that'll come out in the future. But. Okay. Well, I think we've belabored this enough. Like I said, I think while we both agree that... Uh, you wound up about it, though. So. Well, no, because I think you're just so fundamentally wrong about so many things on this. That's why I'm wound up. But anyway, let's move on. Uh, believe it or not, Congress did some big stuff this week. Uh, yes, Congress is still in session. Well, not now, but they were. You know, first they passed a stop a stopgap spending bill to keep the government open into the new year. And this was kind of a near thing in the Senate where there were some coal state Democrats who threatened the filibuster that would have shut the government down. Now, their issue here was extending benefits for retired coal miners, which they wanted to uh, extend up to a year from the current four months. And actually, many Senate Republicans aren't really against this. Uh, but Majority Leader McConnell wants to include this in the budget legislation to be enacted in the next Senate. Now, Weirdly, at least weirdly to me, Democrats, while threatening a filibuster, said that they wouldn't actually shut the government down over this, which I don't know, to me, sort of seems to defeat the purpose. Uh, what do you right. think, Jay? I, again, I'm, that's kind of a puzzler to me. Um, and it's, it's almost as if, uh, you know, again, the, it's sort of a non-story. Um, you know, it's sort of like the, you know, government shutdown not likely to happen. Um, you know, it's sort of um, uh, Democrats threaten they won't shut down the government. Um, I, I mean, look, I think this is this is a weird sort of procedural play that the Democrats are trying to to put out to say, uh, look, um, look how reasonable and rational we are. We're going to concede this point 
which was already would have conceded in the other side, didn't really oppose anyway, uh, and avoid a shutdown that wasn't really going to happen in the first place. Um, and and I'm, I'm really just not sure why. I, well, I think I think I know why. I think it's pretty clearly all about the 2018 elections. There are a number of coal state Democrats in the in the Senate. There are still a few of them who are up for re-election, and they wanted to send a message to be able to say, "I stood." strong for coal miners in my state. And so, you know, vote for me in 2018. So I just think it was all just kind of setting the stage, electoral politics type stuff. Hard to believe people are thinking about 2018, but it's pretty much a constant campaign. So you're probably right. I mean, and I guess that it's to me, it would would seem that there'd be plenty of time to do that next year. And it's it's just one of those. um, But but maybe, you know, again, the words government shutdown get you get your headlines. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and, and then also, I, I suppose government shutdown. It's sort of like this is maybe the last uh, sort of gasp that the Democrats sort of have to to sort of stick that one on the on Republicans, because it's just one of the laws of the universe that in any government shutdown type uh, scenario, Republicans always lose. Only when uh, they're the ones who actually force the government shutdown. In this case, it would have been Democrats. So it, might, it would have been a little. No, bit no, different. no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying, doesn't matter who who forces it. Well, I think you're wrong. Lose. I think you're wrong about that. But anyway, you know, Congress also passed a major piece of healthcare legislation of all things this week. It's called the 21st Century Cures Act, and now it didn't just squeak through either. I mean, it passed overwhelmingly in the House and the Senate, like something like 94 votes for it in the Senate. Uh, what it'll do is, well, it'll increase funding for disease research, it'll address weaknesses in mental health coverage, and, it, and this is probably most importantly, it'll make it easier for drugs and medical devices to be approved. Now, there were some liberal Democrats, most notably Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, who opposed this because of their concerns that it would remove too many safeguards to drug and device approval, and it would basically be this kind of massive giveaway to drug companies and device manufacturers who, of course, lobbied pretty strongly for it. Uh, now, the Congressional Budget Office says this is going to cost a little over $100 billion in, from 2016 to 2020. But overall, they say it should end up reducing spending by around $12 billion from 2016 to 2025. And that's in part because it calls for selling billions of dollars of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Now, I take all those numbers with a grain of salt, especially the expected savings, because budget estimates that look more than a few years into the future are usually kind of more works of speculative fiction than anything else. But, uh, you know, what do you think, Jay? It seems like bipartisanship is is not actually dead. I I don't know that ever was on these kind of things. We we mentioned that pretty frequently that. Look, there's a lot of things in Congress that that are that make the news and are contested, but there's also a lot of just run-of-the-mill type stuff uh, that is not terribly controversial, or it it's something that matters only to one small group, and and uh, there's no real organized opposition on the other side, uh, so it sort of sails through. Um, and this is probably the, the ty- that type of example of it, it was important to device manufacturers. Uh, it was important to uh, patients. There was an emotional appeal on it. Um, and there's not a real good opposition um, other than drug companies are bad. We hate drug companies. Um, well, uh, I mean, to, to do that, the, the money, the, the money is uh, by government terms, not a huge amount of money. Um, and it's the idea is this is to me probably money you would have been been spending anyway. It's just how do you spend it within that that agency? So, I think it's I think it's a good thing. 
All right. Well, you know, I do. You do. Uh, Democrats do. Republicans do. The White House does. does Yeah, Elizabeth Warren uh, doesn't. All right. Um, Before we uh, before we move on to our next story, I want to thank our new supporters this week. First, there's Justin, a very generous supporter who's a high school senior from Placentia, California. Uh, Justin, wow. yeah, I know. I, when I was a high school senior, I, I certainly w- was not – well, there weren't podcasts, of course, when we were high school seniors. But still, um, we really appreciate it. Uh, Justin says he got interested in politics because of the election and now plans to take a politics class when he moves on to college. And he also right. says that, yeah, that he really loves the podcast. So thanks so much, Justin. I believe the children Justin. are a future. Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you so much, Justin. We really appreciate it. Um, next is Jared, a new monthly supporter on Patreon. Uh, Jared's from Las Vegas, but he's been living in Japan for the last eight years. Uh, And he writes, yours is my favorite politics show. I've been trying to look for a really good balanced source to little avail. Then I found yours and found exactly what I was looking for. Your show is exactly what we need now. Two level-headed people, well, mostly, um, with, with different political views that can discuss rationally and maintain a good relationship. We need more of this in our world. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. Yeah, thanks so much, Jared. Now, if you're interested in supporting the show financially, you can do what Jared and Justin did. Just go to politicsguys.com and click on either the PayPal or Patreon donation links we've got up there. We would really appreciate it. And as always, it would be a big help if you could spread the word about the show by sharing and retweeting our new show posts on Facebook and Twitter and leaving reviews and ratings of the show on iTunes. Okay, moving on. You know, Donald Trump continues to fill out his administration. Now, this week he filled six important positions, choosing uh, fast food executive Andrew Pudzer to head the Labor Department, Iowa Governor Terry Branstad as ambassador to China, retired Marine Corps General John Kelly to run Homeland Security, retired neurosurgeon and former Republican presidential candidate Ben Carson for Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Wrestling executive Linda McMahon to run the Small Business Administration and Oklahoma Attorney General and so-called uh, climate change denialist. Uh, I lost his name here. My God, his name, his name just blanked on me. How did that wow. happen, Jay? <clears throat> it happens every once in a while. Oh, my gosh. I was I was focusing on Rex Tillerson, who's the potential Secretary of State, uh, Secretary of State nominee, and I totally blanked on Scott Pruitt. I'm so sorry, Scott Pruitt. Uh, we'll talk about you and whether or not you're a climate change denialist in a minute. But anyway. We'll talk about the word denialist. Yeah, I, I want to get to that in a minute. New, yeah. isn't it? You know, we're still waiting on an announcement about Secretary of State, which is practically turned into like a reality show, you know, America's next top diplomat. And, you know, we got a cast of characters, including the improbable Mitt Romney, a crazy old guy, Rudy Giuliani, who recently went out of the running, David Petraeus, a former general who's had more than a few problems with handling classified information. And now the last minute out of nowhere candidate who looks like he's going to get the job, according to sources, uh, ExxonMobil CEO Rex Tillerson, who has Plenty of ties to Russia, which is an absolutely awesome plot twist. You know, he even got the Russian government's lapdog of the year award, or they call it the order of friendship in 2012. So uh, we'll talk a little. Well, uh, let's talk a little about uh, a little bit, at least about all of these nominations, starting with uh, Andrew Pudzer at Labor. What did you think about that pick, Jay? I, I think that's fine. I, I, I like uh, I like that. I mean, Democrats aren't going to like it. The no, left isn't going to like it. Uh, but, uh, I, I think, 
I think that'll be fine. It, Trump seems to be going with this. I'm going to bring in people who worked in in uh, in the real world, as opposed to bringing in more government uh, folks. And and look, we'll see how that works. I'm I'm always a little skeptical because it's to some extent a different skill set, managing and running a, a government operation as opposed to running something in the private sector. Um, but you know that's that's sort of the. The, the mindset uh, that, that Trump has brought to the, the whole thing is I'm going to bring in people from the outside. Um, and I guess it remains to be seen if it works. But here's a guy who's going to have a, a good sense of of what happens and uh, particularly with with smaller businesses uh, and uh, how the, the Labor Department affects their their, uh, you know, what they do. So. So, no, I, I, I think it's good. I mean, left is going to yell and scream about it and so forth. But. Yeah, I, I, I'm okay with it. Yeah, well, I, I thought you might be, and you know that that thing about that you mentioned about you know, lack of experience and so forth. That that's been I've been thinking about that a lot myself, and I, I share some of your some of your concerns about that. In fact, I, uh, I I wrote about that in the newsletter for this week. And oh, by the way, I forgot to mention that that at the top of the show, folks. Of course, you know that we now have a newsletter. If you're interested in signing up and getting it, it's uh, every Sunday it comes out. You can just go to politicsguides.com. Com and sign up for the newsletter, and we'll send that out to you. Email that out to you every single week. Um, but but yeah, I agree with that. And you know, a lot of these picks are pretty standard, sort of kind of conservative Republican sort of picks. Like uh, for instance, Iowa Governor Terry Branstad is ambassador to China. That seems to be a pretty reasonable middle of the right. road sort well, of it, pick. It, it, yeah. At first there was like, wait a minute, what does the governor of Iowa know about China? A lot, but, it turns out, but it turns out, yeah, actually quite a bit. Yeah. Pretty good pick. I, I mean, he, you know, he understands China. There's a lot of trade that goes on, believe it or not, folks might have a hard time believing this, but between Iowa and China. So I think that's a perfectly reasonable pick just like, and, and also, and something else on that, it it's a little bit of a signal in that, uh, you know, Trump, who had campaigned against uh, being so hard on on China, uh, I can't say it like he does, uh, but this this would tend to be sort of a a message to the the Chinese who were apparently had their feathers ruffled last week. Uh, that this is Trump is someone that they can work with. Well, you know, that's a great point, Jay, because it seems like Trump is just. Dis- fascinatingly contradictory character where he will say one thing and then appoint somebody or talk to somebody uh, and and seem to be really fascinated by someone who has entirely different views. And so I don't know if it's a sign of chaos or a sign that he just can process all sorts of different information and come to some sort of reasonable conclusion. I hope it's that, but I guess we'll find out. Um, But, you know, like, for instance, uh, uh, John Kelly in Homeland Security, that seems to me to be a very reasonable pick. He uh, was, uh, I believe, he was uh, ran Central Command, which deals, uh, which deals with uh, you know uh, Central America, South America, so a lot of sort of border issues and so forth. And he seems like a pretty typical sort of person you would expect Donald Trump to pick. I mean, someone who's been very outspoken. Uh, he loves generals, Donald Trump. He also seems right. to particularly love Marine generals. And of course, I can have a, I have a hard time having a problem with that, obviously. But, uh, but yeah, you know, that to me seems to be a rather uh, not terrifically objectionable pick. Now, let's get to some of the more objectionable picks. Ben Carson, Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. This to me seems to be, uh, I don't know, 
Donald Trump picked his black friend to be <laughs> to be housing and urban development guy because he grew up poor, and I guess that's the qualification. Ben Carson, I think, had it right earlier when he initially seemed to uh, not be interested in the pick, saying that he just didn't have any experience, and or at least his <laughs> spokesperson saying he didn't have any experience and he didn't want to make a you know to perhaps have the administration fail, at least part of it, because they put some inexperienced person in charge of a major federal agency. And I said, yes, Ben Carson, you're being very smart about this. And now now he's going to be running housing, housing and urban development. And I just well, think that's have, a pretty he bad Well, he may have read up on it oh, uh, well, yeah, in the okay, last couple yeah. weeks. There you go. That's all you need. You know, Housing and urban development for dummies or something like that. I don't know. Not that Ben Carson's a dummy, obviously, but, you know, but, but he clearly is inexperienced. And this is a big job. And he's never run anything, anything like this. And so I, I have I have serious concerns about this pick. Um, I that would not have been my first pick either. Wouldn't I would have rather have, have have uh, um, someone who was was uh, again a little more into the policy regarding housing and urban development. Because to me, I, I think that is that's that's an area where Republicans can do some really great things. Um, uh, that said. Ben Carson uh, growing up as he did and becoming the success that he did uh, professionally. I mean, that that does say something. And, and I think that's that's a message. And again, whether he's the the best person to actually run it, uh, he I think he'll be a good face for for housing and urban de- development uh, just because of, of his story. Um, and and again, we'll we'll see how it, it pans out. Um, yeah. Again, I you know you might not have thought that that Jack Kemp would have been a, a good housing and urban de- development uh, right. uh, secretary, but it turns out I at least in yeah, my we, opinion he was. We so. could be wrong, absolutely. And he also named Donald Trump also named Linda McMahon to run the Small Business Administration. Linda Are McMahon, you ready to rumble? Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know that that's. I mean, that's not a necessarily an awful pick. I don't know if it's going to be a particularly good pick, but a lot of people, of course, have that McMahon wrestling association, which which Donald Trump pointed out that uh, she helped to build that into a that smallish business, I guess by his standards, into a much larger business. And also she's a multiple multiple time failed Senate candidate. She had spent tens of millions of dollars to try to win a Senate seat in Connecticut and, and lost lost twice, but now she finally has a role in government thanks to Donald Trump. Um, but I think the pick that we really want to talk, the two picks that we really want to talk the most about first, Scott Pruitt, Oklahoma Attorney General and to run the EPA. Now, there are a couple things about this pick I think we want to talk about. The first is almost all the headlines in the mainstream media or what a lot of folks will call the liberal media call him a climate change denialist. And I have a I don't I well let me first say I think this is an awful pick. I think the I think the idea of someone who's so clearly hostile to uh climate change science and somebody who seems to me to be so clearly in the pocket of the energy the oil and gas industry is a horrible pick to run the EPA but that aside, I think the media does a great disservice to political discourse when they call it, when they use that term denialist. He is certainly a skeptic. Uh, and, and, oh, and he's made many statements about that, saying, you know, that, that the science isn't settled. I think it's just about as settled as things, these things can get. But calling him a denialist is just to me flat out wrong. And I, I think it, it's kind of one of these things that makes for a great headline but ends up uh, 
you know, distorting the truth of the matter and kind of polarizing things even more. Uh, Jay, what do you think about this pick and how it's been covered? Uh, well, I look, I think the, the pick is, is fine. Uh, I, I, yeah. I mean, again, that's going to be a partisan thing that sure. people are going to yeah. differ on. Um, I, I think that, uh, regardless of where we're going in the future, fossil fuels are where we are now. Uh, that's how the, the, uh, this country's economy and the world economy is going to run, uh, for some time still. So I, I, think it's good to have someone who appreciates and understands that industry and if you want to say he's in too close and so forth all right fair enough um those are those are sort of the standard discussions and and arguments that that you'll have and i think those would be the charges that would have been leveled against any republican uh uh, secretary of, of of the epa um uh before i thought trump was supposed to cut the epa i mean again if you're to believe what what you read but um yeah, I, I appreciate that that you you uh, don't appreciate the denialist thing. First, right. first of all, I don't even know if that is that a real word. Denialist. It is, well, it, it is now part of the lexicon. So yeah, I would say it it now are, is. is the, are the other side climate change approvalists? I mean, it's just sort of a. Sure, I know what you're saying, and I, and I agree, and I think there's that connection. Uh, to me, at least in my mind, it brings to the whole thing of, of Holocaust denialist yeah, and so that's, and that's, that's the, exactly that's exactly it. And it, that's something that is a, a smear uh, to say, look, we disagree on a point of a either either science or public policy, because yeah. there are plenty of people like myself who uh, I look at this and I say, yeah, I, I think there is a quite a case to be made that um, uh, global warming is occurring uh, as a again, as I peer out at the, you know, whatever, six inches of snow that have fallen in the last night. But, um, and, uh, and some of it may be man-made, but the second question is, so what are you going to do about it? Um, and, and that's, you know, where I think there are a lot of folks who, who, I think I've described myself, you know, as a lukewarmist and, and mm-hmm. uh, I think that's a wonderful term. Um, but yeah, the idea that, that you're going to equate someone like this who disagrees with you on public policy uh, as someone who denies the Holocaust. Uh, and, and I mean, Democrats, you got you to gotta be uh, real on this. That's what that label means. Yeah, I mean, and this is one of those. And, you know, it's the kind of thing that I would expect from the Huffington Post. But when I see it at the Washington Post and the New York Times, I'm, I'm seriously disappointed uh, in that, but you know that, that's that's how so much of media is going, even even the so-called marquee names. And so that was uh, again, while I completely disagree with the pick, I think it's a, just an awful, awful pick. I think the way that the coverage is is not uh, is not being entirely fair, at least in the headlines, essentially. So. Um, now, finally, then we have Secretary of State. Again, where reports now that we've gotten and everyone seems to be getting now is that it is going to be Rex Tillerson, which is a great name, I think, by the I way. I was going to say what an awesome name that is, too. It, yeah. it seems right to be an oil executive named Rex yeah. Tillerson. I don't know. It's like it's come out of central casting or something. But a couple of things. Number one, I, I am certainly troubled by his ties and his company's ties to Russia. But on the other hand... When I hear what, when I know what ExxonMobil has said about climate change, you know, uh, he said uh, his company has acknowledged the science igno- uh, underlying climate change. It says it supports 
a carbon he's a climate tax. change approval. Yes, exactly. He ex- uh, he's expressed or, or ExxonMobil has expressed support for the Paris Agreement. Uh, he said at, at a shareholder meeting in May uh, that we believe that addressing the risk of climate change is a global issue. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's the thing about Trump. He has this weird mix of people. Uh, uh, I, I, I don't know what to make of it. Again, it, at this point, uh, Tillerson hasn't been the confirmed pick, but all, all accounts say that he is, in fact, going to be the guy after Donald Trump has had fun kind of playing with Rudy Giuliani, who would have been, I think, an awful, awful pick, and Mitt Romney, who I think he just wanted to mess with and get the kind of grovel before him, before he yanked it away, essentially. So, uh, so yeah, who knows what kind of a pick uh, uh, Rex Tillerson will be. Uh, any thoughts on you know, that, Jim? I, I, you know, here are my thoughts on Rex Tillerson. Two, um, he uh, spoke at the City Club of Cleveland uh, about a year or so ago. Huh. And I will post that link on our Facebook page, and I'll get to you if you can put it on the, the internet, the, which, as I've, I've given shouts out to the City Club uh, of Cleveland before, it is a fantastic institution that brings mm-hmm. in speakers. It is the uh, longest-running free speech association uh, in the country. Uh, and it's, it's you know, an hour of, uh, of Rex Tillerson talking and answering questions uh, from the audience. So if you want to get an idea of, of uh, what kind of guy he is, uh, I will we'll post that. I haven't seen it yet. I wasn't there when, when he spoke. Um, but uh, we'll post it. Or if not, go to like cityclub.org, uh, and I think you can find all the, the back stuff. But, um, you know, my, my sense is, sure, he's an oil exec, and, and the left is not going to be happy about that. Again, it's a taking somebody from who is not in the diplomatic core um, – and that's that's of course been been done before, but uh, not necessarily in government. But here's a guy who has worked internationally uh, with with you know plenty of of big players. Um, he's run Russian a large big, organization. I mean, yeah. you know, he definitely is. Yeah, uh, the Russian piece is troubling. I think we need to take a, a harder look at that. I mean, sometimes. Um, you know, look, it, it, it's one thing uh, as a business executive if you have one one job and being the country's chief diplomat, you have another. Uh, and, and it may well be that for the sake of his company, his corporation, he had to go and shake hands and make nice and get the nice little medal from Vladimir Putin. Um, and that might've been part of his job or it may be, or maybe, Hey, they're, they're good buddies. I, I, I don't know that. Um, I got to say, Jay, if, if if you're if you're Michael Moore right now, you've got to be salivating because all these connections to Russia. I mean, the sort of argument by innuendo you can make. I can I can practically see the the the, the god awful documentary kind of coming out about this. I mean, and I think there are legitimate concerns about this, but uh, it, it it's almost like uh, like I said, I, I can practically see the movie now. I don't know, you know, but uh, well, and to me, I I can I can see of the uh, we'll have Democratic senators. Um, uh, stamping uh, their feet and uh, yelling, I have a list of uh, uh, members of the Trump government who are associated with the uh, Russian government. And I hope they um, will. And it will be so much fun. <laughs> well, and, and I hope they will. I mean, if they yeah, actually they do have that decency. list. Yeah. As long as they actually share those lists and share their information. I mean, I am certainly counting on on Democrats in Congress to try to check some of what I think might be potential excesses and problems in the Trump administration, because that's how the system's supposed to work. And I hope it, I hope it certainly does work that way. Um, let's move on to our next story. You know, once again, 
Donald, with all this stuff that's going on, Donald Trump has seemed, to me at least, to largely dominated the news cycle with his tweets. You know, first it was calling out a labor union official who had the temerity to question his claim that he saved over 1,100 jobs at Carrier. Now, the actual number turns out to be somewhere around 800, but, you know, truth, of course, is no defense if you're questioning Donald Trump. Uh, Then it was a call to cancel Boeing's contract for the new Air Force One jets because they cost billions, Um, which also turned out to be, if not untrue, at least highly speculative since no contract has even been negotiated yet. And now everyone knows by now, right, that they're going to cost a lot. Well, well, yeah, they're going to cost a lot. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, you know, a tweet that says cancel the contract. Anyway. Now, everyone knows, right, I, I'm, I'm in a constant state of at least mild irritation with the media. But to me, this ridiculous and, well, pathetic lapping up of everything that Donald Trump tweets, it really has me more disgusted than ever and, and to the point where I, I, I'm ready to suggest a, a politics guy's moratorium on treating Donald Trump's tweets as news and instead only discussing what he actually does. Uh, what, what do you think about that, Jay? You know, a couple of weeks ago, I said, boy, I hope once he becomes president-elect and once he becomes president, he's going to put down the the, the cell phone and stop tweeting uh, for the reason that it, it seems unpresidential uh, to go after a union guy directly, just as it seemed unpresidential to complain about uh, the Hamilton or Saturday Night Live. Um, uh, and, and likewise, the, the silly tweet about uh, burning flags. But... You know, the thing is, it's it's working it, and it's sort of like he, he throws these bones out there and everyone chases it. Mm-hmm. And then he sort of, you know, again, it, it's it's too early to say is is he brilliant or is he crazy? Um, but um, crazy you know, like I, a fox. Yeah, I, I think I pointed out the the just the flag burning thing of uh, look, those who are going to denounce uh, Donald Trump did did so anyway, and we're going to do so anyway. But he got a bunch of his opponents to go out and burn flags. Yeah, I mean, how how do you get to? <laughs> yeah. Um. And again, this is he. The media spends its time sort of spinning its wheels on these these little silly sort of tiffs. Uh, uh, because between... they're yeah, because they're tailor made, right? I mean, Trump yeah. provides the headlines for the clickbaity things that that go viral on, on social media. I mean, it's, he's, he's doing their work for them. And, you know, and, and it just, it's just to me, one more sign of how increasingly degraded even the so-called, you know, again, elite media is. It's, it's, it just bothers the heck out of me. Like I said, it, it, saying it disgusts me is not going too far. And when, and I don't actually really even blame journalists for this because this is the news model. This is the this is the news model that we've created. Uh, this is the news world that we live in. This is what people want. And, and I think, you know, and, and this is another thing I talked about in the newsletter. I think as long as people demand this sort of thing, which people clearly do, this is what they're going to get. And Donald Trump is going to be able to, in, in my mind, uh, you know, intelligently and, and very astutely, Use these tweets to change the narrative, to move it on to things that he wants to move it on, and the media is complicit in it. Yeah, I, I say less about changing the narrative and more just as distraction. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, but but it's sort of. I think you're right. The media is is has become in large parts sort of a drug supplier mm-hmm. uh, in that, and that the drug it supplies is is uh, sort of shots of dopamine yep. for the you know various uh, groups who hate Trump. I mean, and they're point. sort of like. Uh, you know, you wake up in the morning and you click on your Facebook or Twitter or something like that, and 
and you're looking for, man, I'm, you know, is there something that Trump said that is absolutely batshit? Should I say that uh, crazy? Um, <laughs> that I can, I can, you know, click on and and sort of get that little wash of, uh, I'm I'm glad I'm on on the right side. Um, uh, so I I think that's. You know that that's sort of the the media has come into that because you're right that sells and and it sells on the other side too, um, uh, you know the five crazy things Hillary Clinton did and you won't believe number three yeah um yeah but uh, yeah it, it's it's a shame and and I I don't know anything to to really do to to fix the problem other than to encourage uh, people to subscribe to places like the the Wall Street Journal <laughs> yeah okay well that that that's uh that's actually not a bad a bad idea I mean I certainly I, I subscribe uh, as well as well as the, and and also no yeah Times. I guess another thing to do is is don't click on the clickbait yes that's that's the only way it's going to change you know it, it'll take years and years and years but but uh, our society will build up sort of an immunity to this and that won't work anymore I uh, or maybe it's just hard wired into us that that will do it and we won't but. sadly i think it is but uh but yeah but anyway um you know uh, i i was hoping we'd get to listener mail today but it looks like we're running a little a little bit long today i guess our first our first story where you and i had that fairly spirited discussion ended up uh going pretty long but that's okay we'll get to listener mail next week for sure so that is it for this week's episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you have any thoughts, comments, criticisms, or questions for Ask the Politics Guys, we would love to hear from you. Our email is mail at politicsguys.com. And our Facebook page where we post stuff throughout the week is facebook.com slash politicsguys page. We're also on Twitter at politicsguys. And we'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe to the show and leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast service you use. And sharing and retweeting our new show posts and tweets also helps us out a lot and if you'd like to support the show financially you can do that through the paypal or patreon links on our website the politics guys will be back next sunday we hope you'll join us